Hello everyone and welcome to the latest edition of the VTX podcast. Here at the Veterinary Thought Exchange we always start by asking, what are you thinking? And this week we're going to be talking to Laura Rosewell, who is a specialist veterinary nurse in internal medicine. She's going to be chatting about her career as a veterinary nurse and how she has developed and empowered herself and those around her. As always, my name is Scott. I'm one of the founders of VTX and I'm a specialist in small animal internal medicine. And I am joined with my wee pal, Karen, who is our podcast producer and is here to keep me on track. Just made myself sound really wee. (laughs) Hello. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Okay. Hi, Laura. Thanks so much for um, joining us. We're really um, honoured, is the word, to have you on the podcast. Um, I suppose it's a bit interesting how... um, we have become connected it's really to do with I suppose social media um and we can talk a little bit about that because I think that's kind of an interesting thing which um I suppose connects people in this day and age can you start just by telling everyone a bit about yourself and your career if that's okay yeah absolutely so thank you very much for inviting me on today uh, so I uh, am a internal medicine nurse and I have been working in referral practice now for probably about the last six or seven years in total I've been nursing for 13 years and over the last five years of my time in referral practice I fell in love with internal medicine and decided to pursue a formal specialization so I spent time working with medicine patients and medicine clinicians and gaining experience with different types of cases and then ultimately decided to submit my application to go to America and become a veterinary technician specialist in internal medicine. So after doing that, I then specialised further and started spending time more in the intensive care unit of my current department doing the care of the more high dependency medical patients. So I spend a lot of my time now dealing with really severe GI disease, patients that need parental nutrition, respiratory patients, transfusion dependent patients and ventilator patients. So where where did you initially qualify as a vet nurse? So I did the MVQ uh, route Mm -hmm. rather than the degree. So I just worked in a um, small first opinion branch practice in Berkshire in the south of England. And then after I qualified, I dabbled with a little bit of surgical nursing and then realized that I loved medicine and so uh, made the correct decision and moved to medicine. So the interesting thing is um, or one of the interesting things about your journey has been I suppose you have quite a a presence on social media particularly on Instagram. I think my colleagues got sick of me talking about medicine to them so I needed somewhere else to do it essentially. So I set up a um, Facebook page and Instagram mm-hmm. just so that I could kind of explode medicine to people who uh, would find it helpful and also I really enjoy it it gives me a chance to be creative and also it's a fun way of doing CPD because I'll always read up on what I'm writing about. What's the whole purpose of what you're trying to put out there? It's, it's mostly educational right? Yeah definitely I think for me one of the reasons that I wanted to start it was because there's just not that much opportunity for nurses to do that much kind of structured CPD in internal medicine. Personally, that was Mm -hmm. something that I really found quite difficult. And I would end up going to all the vet lectures at like Congress and things, for example, which are great, but 
they're kind of in bed speak a little bit and it's not always mm -hmm. something that's easy for nurses. So I wanted to try and find a way to make it simple and broken down for nurses to get kind of bite-sized information that they can kind of just take in at their leisure. So it's mainly educational and um, but also I think just to empower nurses to do more with medical patients in practice because they are kind of a subset of our patients that benefit a lot from nursing care. No, that's absolutely true. And I think it can and what you do is is amazing. And what I love is that creativity. I really like that you said that, like it allows me to be creative. And that's definitely one of the things that I have found to be exciting about doing this stuff because suddenly you're able to create an Instagram story or whatever else. And actually it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. The nurse community on Instagram is amazing. Like that's that's why I'm on Instagram far more. Like even though I post some stuff to Facebook, but I spend all my time on Instagram because it's I think the healthier place probably for me of the two. And I just think there's this there's such community there. Like I've met some amazing people through there that I consider friends that I never would have known if I hadn't set up that Instagram page, which is crazy. Are you not nervous putting yourself out into this like really massive, potentially this really massive platform? Does that not work? Does that make you feel nervous? Oh yeah, definitely. I think, <laughs> yeah. I, think it, I think it's natural. Like anytime you put yourself out there, you obviously open yourself up to anyone's opinion or feedback and things. We were uh, interviewing Katie Ford last week. And actually that's one of the things that we were talking about is that, I suppose that kind of imposter thing, you know, creeps in and actually you're thinking that still goes on in my head. Is it right? Am I right? Is that, am I, maybe I'm not that good. You know what I mean? And that kind of still comes into it. Does it become obsessive? Do you look at how many followers, how many likes, does that become important? Do you think that's important? I think I've definitely fallen into that trap before, but it's yeah. definitely something that I have kind of realized and stepped away from and it's funny because I know obviously you said you interviewed Katie and I spend a lot of like work quite closely with Katie kind of she's mm -hmm. I'm one of her students her coaching students mm -hmm. and so that's something that she's really helped me with so and also looking at it as like it's kind of vanity vanity metrics so mm -hmm. the number of followers like I have this saying of is it going to matter when I'm 80 and like no the number of followers I have on Instagram isn't going to matter when I'm 80 but the chance to make change in the profession and for patients mm -hmm. to benefit as a result of that will. So for me, it's been hard because you see other pages and you're like, ah, oh, mm -hmm. they got that many followers. But I just kind of have to try and detach myself from that and think about the the message and the bigger picture that's creating rather than just the numbers. God, that's really, I think that's really helpful. Like that's exactly it. So you, you just have to really be strong about what you're trying to achieve, which is really like you say, you're just trying to educate people so that, you know, that our pets get better care. And do you have a kind of longer term vision for all of that? Where do you see that kind of going? Is that something that you want to develop further or? Yeah, definitely. Um, I would like to look at probably my own way of providing some CPD to nurses, because at the moment I do a lot of lecturing a lot I do some lecturing and I'm invited to speak by um, companies which I'm hugely grateful for and absolutely love doing I think it would also be nice mm -hmm. to offer something that doesn't necessarily require people to go to a conference or book onto like this whole like year-long course or whatever so if they just want mm -hmm. like a quick bite-sized webinar on this subject um being able to to provide that so I definitely would like to kind of roll that out and do some more kind of structured webinars and things as well as um running the blog yeah. and doing the Instagram posts and stuff do you work full-time yeah I do yeah so I mean it's quite a lot isn't it 
It is, but I'm quite lucky. So the way my shifts are structured in clinic is I do a full-time week, but I do it over three days. So I'm getting better at structuring my time and being more rigid with having days off, off. But so now I do two days of working at home on my own stuff and then two days completely off and then three days at work. I mean, it's still, it's still slightly superhuman, I think, but yeah. (laughs) It's still quite a lot. I look back sometimes, I'm like, I don't really know how I'm doing all of this, but somehow I am. (laughs) (laughs) I literally am like, she's, she's wholesome and healthy and she achieves all this stuff. And then your workspace as pair behind you always looks really tidy. Like, I'm just like, and you've got great stationery. I'm just, there's so much. Um, yeah, I think it, it all always looks very under control. We had talked about kind of a slightly more clinical thing that we were going to discuss and you'd mentioned kind of the, you know, chatting about kind of nurse clinics and um, or how nurses can be involved in the care of kind of chronic disease. And I think uh, for me, that's a great topic because certainly, and you know, I purely work in internal medicine, although to be honest, we, we do, we start, well, painfully, I do have to do some ICU stuff as well. Um, but I much prefer the chronic medicine. And actually we were talking about this the other day because our patients, the, correct me if I'm wrong yeah our patients basically never get better fully (laughs) but they don't ever really go away (laughs) so we keep them healthy and happy but they're never actually they're never cured (laughs) genuine generally Um, and so we do have to really we're seeing these patients time and time and time again and I think one of the things that we our practice don't do well enough is involving nurses in the longer term Mm -hmm. management of these patients like you know the nurses are heavily involved and they nurse the patients really well when they're in the hospital um and they're involved with like so you know Mm -hmm. tube feeding kind of guidance for owners and all that kind of stuff like they're our nurses are heavily involved in all that because i just i wouldn't um even know where to start but I suppose, where do you see or how do you then improve that longer term role of nurses within that kind of chronic disease setting? It's a difficult one, I think, because especially in referral, we don't necessarily see these patients coming back for kind of like long, long term rechecks. So I think regardless of whether you're in referral practice or first opinion practice, nurses have still got a huge role to play in these patients, probably in first opinion Mm -hmm. more so, because things like our ckd patients or our various kind of endocrinopathies they have Mm -hmm. more opportunity arguably to come back for things like renal clinics diabetic clinics and things like that with the nurses but i was quite lucky in my um, previous practice where i was a full-time internal medicine nurse i started when the clinic was brand new so we didn't really have that many interns so a lot of the rechecks and things i would see with like with the medics so things like getting an updated history um doing things like pulling the diagnostics under the direction of the veterinary surgeon and also just doing things like giving the clients an opportunity to seek advice that they perhaps might not feel comfortable asking a vet even things like refreshing medication administration with them and um, so talking about switching diet and things like that clients might not necessarily want to say for example that they don't know how to prime a vet pen to the vet because they're worried that they might feel a bit silly so if we as nurses can just say hey you know your dog's been diagnosed with diabetes for two months now and Mm -hmm. we're going to switch your Mm -hmm. cartridge 
let's just talk through the vet pen again and how to administer your insulin. Let's check your injection technique and make sure everything is all still fine. So I think that perhaps we can use our relationship with clients as nurses because it is different to the vet client relationship to perhaps kind of get a bit more information out of clients and also just make sure that they feel kind of extra supported. And the fact that we can kind of work together is with the vet, the nurse and the client, I think it just gives the patient a more kind of holistic approach. So I think what's interesting is in, you know, in America, in an emergency clinic, for instance, or actually in other settings, it's a lot of the time it's the vet tech who is actually taking that initial history from the client Mm. and actually you know and so I think the involvement of vet techs in the states you know is is even different from the way that we use nurses here and I think you know the um and I suppose the nice thing about being involved in that initial consultation is that um there's a relationship built up from the beginning one of the things we did in the last practice Mm -hmm. I was in one of the things we did was um after I'd done the initial consultation, um, our nurses used to go in and have some face-to-face contact with the owners. Um, and we had a bit of a kind of questionnaire about kind of some of the more nursing aspects of the of, of the patient, like what kind of bowls they liked, you know, what uh, things that they were kind of, you know, potentially fearful about and all this kind of stuff. And I think that was nice because mm-hmm. um, it allowed that kind of relationship to build up from the beginning because I think that's sometimes if you're stuck in stuck like literally stuck in ICU can't leave not allowed to leave (laughs) then you know sometimes there's not that ability and especially just now where we're not allowing clients in the building full stop it's a very bizarre it's a very bizarre yeah it's very strange yeah well I know exactly I think there's there's pros and cons but um you know it's it's a it's it's difficult I suppose to kind of um to get that relationship when you're not if, I suppose not physically seeing a client what kind of conditions do you mm-hmm. think work well with that kind of setup what kind of things do you think um kind of really benefit from that nurse involvement moving forward so I'm going to try really hard not to say all of them <laughs> well you can if you like you need to choose one or two um, okay I'll choose a few endocrine diseases yeah like long-term GI disease like IBD and stuff like that yeah oncology patients yeah okay yeah definitely for people who are listening and thinking, yeah, I mean, I really, as a nurse, I really want to be involved in this sort of stuff, but I'm just not getting the opportunity. Like, I think that's the problem. Like half the time, it's just yeah. just not being given the chance. How do you think we go about changing that? Like, how are we going to change the world? How are you going to change the world? <laughs> well, that's a big question. <laughs> One thing that I find personally helpful, or the way that I kind of went about doing this and helping to kind of set this up in the practice um, that I was in was firstly I wanted to make sure that I was super happy or as happy as I could be with the disease processes involved what we were doing why we were doing it so for me personally learning more about the different disease processes was really big so I did that and that helped me enormously because it meant that I really actually felt like I could confidently advise clients and talk to them a bit about diabetes or whatever and how it differs if it's a cat versus a dog etc so for me that was one thing once I had done that I kind of had a had a chat with our vets and I was very lucky with our medics because they were super super grateful of having nurses that that kind of wanted to do that and they were keen for us to get on board with that and the practice 
um, was really supportive and wanting the medicine nurses to kind of do that and be that extra support to the clinicians. So we set it up so that essentially the clinician would do the first part of the consultation. We would go in similar to um, your practice, do the questionnaire, do the admission. We would be assigned to the point of kind of the nurse who was primary responsibility on that patient for the duration of their stay. And then after they were discharged, we would kind of continue to be the primary kind of non-vet contact for that client. So we would do things like we would do the client communication mm. in the hospital. If it wasn't a vet update, we would do the discharge again, if the vet didn't need to do it. And then we would do kind of follow up, just check in phone calls, emails. If they needed to come back in for a recheck, we would try and be present at least for some of it or if we couldn't be just pop to reception and say hello and kind of make an effort to greet the patient and just find out how the patient was getting on we would make sure that we were available to help with the mm -hmm. diagnostics if bloods and things needed to be done which is super helpful because if you know that you've got a patient that only can be bled in a certain way for example if you're the nurse that, that's been dealing with that patient and you know that and it means that every visit they have, you can kind of guarantee that it's going to be the best possible for them. So like I have an IMHA cap, for example, that you could not do a jugular blood sample on. And if you tried to do anything before the blood sample, you wouldn't get any blood. So every single time she came in, I had to see her, lie her on her mm -hmm. side, do a medial saphenous sample, and then the vet was allowed to touch her. Because after that, you wouldn't get a sample. So I think just little things like that, having a nurse involved. Yeah. And then once the vet's kind of done their consultation if there is anything for us to discuss booking kind of like a simultaneous even 10 minute slot with a nurse for after the vet consultation just so that after the vet stuff's been done the nurse can turn around and say okay how's the medication administration going do you need any help are you struggling to get tablets in is there a different option that i can talk to the vet about if you're really struggling what's going on with diet do we need to adjust things here's how you transition to a new food this is what you should be looking out for i'll get i'll book you in for a recheck appointment in x many weeks time if you have any questions before then let us know i'll email you in a few days just to find out how you're getting on so i think even something like just setting aside if it's possible with the diary and especially with the constraints we have at the moment just setting aside like a 10 minute nurse appointment to coincide with when they're out of the vet consultation can be really helpful and i think the more the client sees the nurse and builds a relationship with that nurse the more benefit you'll get out of subsequent visits because the more and more they'll want to open up and the more information you can get and then compliance increases for all of us like you know vets nurses whoever i think it doing these things involving yourself in this way it only makes your job better like it can it only makes the job more interesting because you know I'm, i suppose yeah. we're lucky you know working in the referral practice that i work in you know our nurses just take the patient from the beginning to the end of its journey i can't remember the last time that i put an iv catheter in or took a blood sample. i literally can't i i know that we all work under different pressures and different nurses need to do different things in different practices so I know we're talking you know I understand things vary but ultimately yeah. I think you know our nurses I hope enjoy their job much more because they're doing more you know and I think mm -hmm. this is the important thing like nurses really do need to be nurses right and and I think this is what's really nice about some of the kind of Instagram type stuff is that there's a lot of really good strong nurse voices with a positive yeah. message of 
let's do the job that we're trained to do you know there's mm-hmm. whether it's promoting i don't know ultrasound or you know lot there, there there's just a lot of that and i think that's really positive you know and i think because that's the kind of message that we need to be getting that we need to be getting out there i'm i mean i'm married to a nurse so i a vet nurse so i know like first <laughs> firsthand mm-hmm. as well um and he used to just put i mean if we used to work together that doesn't happen anymore but he used to you know, I remember being pushed out of the way before yeah. daily, while he was trying to put a catheter. I think I was trying to put a catheter in and I think he physically pushed me out of the way. <laughs> so, what kind of things then do you, are there things moving forward in practice that you think um, you want to kind of continue to improve? Like what's your, what's your kind of mission um, moving forward with nursing when it comes to kind of clinical practice? I really enjoy training. So definitely for me, a big part is kind of, training nurses especially in medicine like I do a lot of work with our um, team of nurses our medicine nurses um, training and supporting them I think yeah training nurses encouraging them to be the best nurse that they can be and do everything they possibly can in practice so if it's a job that they are legally allowed to do and they have the training and the competency to do so getting that task outsourced to them as much as possible because it frees up your time and it makes things one's easier for you as well as getting the nurses feeling more rewarded and more satisfied in practice for me in terms of my own um kind of clinical goals i for my sins would quite like to do my pts in emergency and critical care as well as internal medicine we have nurses in our practice who are studying towards their vts just now so we've Mm -hmm. got one who's doing um path one who's doing cardiology one who's doing anesthesia mm-hmm. and I uh, it makes me I'm it's I'm pained to watch them go through what they like oh my god yeah. like and and you know I had to do a case log for my diploma and we, all this kind of stupid stuff for me and actually I found this a bit as well for my diploma the credentialing process was actually in many ways more painful than the exam. Like just getting to the point where they allow you to sit the exam and watching them do these case logs and and some of them fail because there wasn't a full stop in the right place. Mm -hmm. Like it lit, but it's like that, right? It was the scariest year of my life. (laughs) But I think mainly because I didn't know what to expect. Like I was doing this thing and I was going to submit it and essentially they could be like, no, do it again next year. And I just had no idea. Mm. So that was the scariest bit for me was just... It was a massive journey into the unknown. But, and also a massive achievement. I think also if you look at, there won't be very many nurses in this country that have got that qualification. I don't know, um, you know, it, it, I think it's a massive, massive deal. You know, I was saying this to that we need to, you know, we shout about all the qualifications that we have as uh, the vets in our place. But I, I think we need to be like getting the message out that we've got these nurses who've got this amazingly high level qualification. Like I think it's... Um, you know, it's a, it's a I, genuinely a pretty big, um, a pretty big deal. So I have, I mean, so I understand from a personal development point of view why you want to do another one, but also like, it's like I, I remember Andy once said to me, you know, the best specialists are ones that are double boarded in like medicine and something else, and I was like, yeah, but I can't be bothered. I can't be bothered. So I can, <laughs> like, I just, I mean, I'm just not going to. Like, I don't think I could mentally. I can't. I'm just not doing that again. So. I'll just have to keep with my one. <laughs> my one will do me <laughs> fine. So do you think you genuinely will do that then? You will go for the other? <laughs> I definitely, I can't do it for another three years because NAVTA, who kind of run all of the VTSs in the States, don't let you do two specialties within a three-year period because 
you can't say you're a specialist if you've not spent enough time in that specialty for like at least three years so but the main reason I want to do it is because the most of the skills on the medicine application there was a lot of overlap between medicine and ECC yeah and for me I spend a lot of time dealing with respiratory patients anemic patients who need transfusions so I actually a lot of looking back at my medicine application even though I've done a ton with chronic disease patients and absolutely love dealing with chronic disease patients I also did an enormous amount of ECC but like medical ECC if that makes sense so I think that given that and given that I'm mainly working in the ICU at the moment I probably will do it but I keep being like oh yeah I really want to do it and then I'll remember like get flashbacks to me having a panic attack in Heathrow airport and think no maybe I shouldn't. So that's really is that did you did you did that really happen? So I had a panic attack in in Schiphol airport coming back from my last exam this is true and I so I had a panic attack in the airport and then I got on the plane and started to cry and the woman beside me, this old woman from Glasgow, was like, are you okay? And I was like, it's just, she thought someone had died. I was like, no, no one's died. I just sat a stupid exam. So yeah, it does. <laughs> that's what it does to you. Oh my God. Um, yeah, that's what it does to you. Well, good luck doing that all again. Um, so um, I had a couple of questions then just to finish up. I've asked a couple of people I always, and these are not like meant to catch you out. They're genuinely questions I'm interested in. So the first one is, if you had your time again, would you do the same thing? Would you be a veterinary nurse if you could do it all over? Let's start with that. Yeah, definitely. I would. <laughs> Good. Okay. And if um, you had one piece of advice to give to any veterinary nurse who is listening to make their career or make their journey as a veterinary nurse better, what would that piece of advice be? Never be afraid to ask a question. Next week, we're going to be joined by my friend and emergency vet, Simon, who is going to be chatting a bit about his career, his internship, and a little bit about pancreatitis. As always, we want to thank you all for listening. We really, truly appreciate your support. Head over to our website, www.vtx-cpd.com for a bit more information about what we do. And make sure to like, follow, and share on our social media platforms. We really appreciate that too. See you next week.